from above the terrain and lakes of New England, propelling the Gospel Mission Aviation Ministries, presents to you the Mission Briefer podcast, where we will give testimonials from mission outreach flights, interviews of missionary aviators from around the world, on-site experiences and sounds of our Mission Aviation fly-out camps, teachings from the Bible, and updates of church planning and outreach events. So buckle up and prepare for takeoff as we seek to propel the gospel forward here, in the New England region. Moving forward, and uh, the last couple months here have been uh, just just awesome, really. And uh, to have this paired up with an internship at our church and have my pastor review and scrutinize everything has been great. Um, but there's nothing that, that can substitute the relationships that we've built here, um, the togetherness we've had. We're going to look a little bit at that today. And, and uh, ultimately, God's love in and around all that. So I do thank you for this opportunity. And, and we'll always be friends of the church. So if Mike calls me on a Friday night and says, hey, we need somebody to come, do know that I'll be doing my very best to come up here. And uh, we won't be strangers either. And, uh, so, and know that we will be praying moving forward for, for this church and however the Lord uh, leads. So uh, it's, been, it's been an awesome, awesome experience. Um, one, one thing, just a side note. As my internship ends, I'm supposed to write what we call a capstone project, a full paper reflecting on what we've learned, what we've gone through as a couple, uh, part of the internship. And that will be, I'll be sending that to Mike and Rick and you guys can disperse that because I think um, it's really, it's really a testimony of what God's doing here and what God's doing in and around our lives. It's, it's nothing really what we're doing. We looked at it this morning. It's not works and that's not what I'm promoting. But I want to share with you what God has been doing in our family and where God's changing us. And I, I do believe that is a fact. Um, there are some things that if you want to pray for us, that would be great. There are some things that it's becoming clear the Lord's got a plan for us as, as a couple, um, even down to employment. Do we leave yet? I think there will be a day that I will at some point. I think the Lord's made it clear that there's some portion of ministry I'm headed in. Um, there's a camp in northern Maine that they've asked me to volunteer as the camp pastor for a couple weeks so I'm considering that um, and just a lot going on and uh, so just really discerning what the Lord has and and uh, where he truly wants us the last thing I want to do is see a need fulfill the need and realize God doesn't didn't call us there so that's where we're at but uh, boy last Sunday huh, what a great time what a great time uh, looking at, at the text and I want to go back just to, I just want to touch on that one verse, a couple things we didn't really go into um, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, last Sunday. I think it was a great opportunity to present the gospel. I believe that's what uh, the Lord wanted. And so just a couple details. First word there, behold. Now I got to tell you, younger family, we've had a couple behold moments, a couple moments of wow. One of them uh, was when we went to Alaska. Not only was it crazy to see the sun shining at midnight, not only was it crazy to see Dwayne and the gang do their thing, but it was crazy to be driving down the road at almost midnight by the time we arrived there and see these mudslides coming down over the road, seeing, seeing pickup trucks floating down the Chickaloon River. No joke, floating. Ford Tough? Yeah, okay. Yeah, the river took that one and another one, and they just let it go. See ya. And so, wow, that, that behold, like, wow. And then another one, um, Jim and Sharon aren't here, but they were around when I first met Bray, 
uh, at our church where I grew up. And, and uh, so while growing up, once, when Bree and I realized that the Lord is calling us to marriage at a fairly young age, um, we had a lot of time to prepare. And I praise the Lord for that time. Three years before we got engaged, three more years through engagement, total of six years from when we thought that the Lord might be working that direction to the day that we, that we uh, got married. And so we had those three years of engagement to really prepare for a trip. A honeymoon. Boy, we were excited. We'd never been outside of the United States. I was so thrilled. I was kind of in that little bit of a rebellious stage where I thought, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and so we get married. Uh, that will be seven years next month. Praise the Lord. Not 57. I got to thank you for that, though. That, I'm so glad you shared that. And so seven years. And, and uh, so looking back on this trip, I remember we, at the time, our, my employer had a contract with JetBlue Airlines, and we maintained JetBlue, and we would get free flights. So Bree and I were flying all over the place after we got married. Um, but we're headed, we're on the airplane in Portland, and, and uh, the pilot makes an announcement. He goes, just want to announce we've got a special couple with us, one of our mechanics here at Portland. They just got married, and they're headed to St. Lucia. And we spent years trying to figure out whatever it took to go on a trip for two weeks, just her and I, and go. And I got to tell you, one of the best perspectives we ever got was we left what we were com- with comfortable with. We left the United States. And <laughs> we're on that plane, and we're all we're anticipating. We're like, oh, this is great. My, wing, my wings have been clipped. I'm ready to go. I'm out of the nest. Let's get out of here. And I remember the four-hour flight or so to get down to St. Lucia. We have this picture in our mind because we've seen the magazines. We know that it's green and fruitful. And we land. <laughs> we land and Bray looks at me and she goes, this is St. Lucia. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah. Yikes, this isn't good. <laughs> now, granted, we had like a two-hour uh, bus ride through the jungle to get down to where it was beautiful and fruitful. And so we, we are in this what looks like a desolate land. We're like, boy. We spent all this time and money for this? I mean, wow. So that was a behold moment. And, but then you get to the resort and it's, it's great. But that behold, and that, look at that word again in verse 1. Behold, for modern day speech, it would be, hey, come check this out. you got to see this. And there were some moments like that in St. Lucia. I'll never forget it. We actually get to the resort, get settled in, and they really encouraged us to not leave the resort. Do not leave where you're protected and comfortable. Well, me being who I am, I said, well, as the, house, as the head of the household, which is only a couple days old at this point, <laughs> we got to go. So we leave that resort. We go in and around and we see some, some crazy beholding moments. Some times where we took this little boat trip um, in and around, I don't know what bay it was, but like a three-hour boat trip, a little excursion. And we get to this little port. Again, I don't know where in St. Lucia it was. And these little kids, like, take the rope and they pull the boat into the, what was left of a dock. It was, you know, pretty, pretty flimsy. And these kids don't even have clothes. Just enough to cover themselves. Nothing. They come up to us and they say, tip. Got to get a tip. Now, being an American Maine boy, nobody's ever asked me for a tip. 
you know, unless we go to the restaurant and I just throw something down. But these kids come up to me and they say, tip. And then you give them a tip and they go, that's not enough. <laughs> so it's just a totally different behold. Wow, this is so different. This is so foreign. And John, what he's writing here is, behold what manner. Something totally foreign. I'd love totally foreign to this world. Nothing that this world is used to. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Nothing this world can understand. We're going to see that in the next couple of verses. So in and around St. Lucia, uh, obviously, you know, ha- has had some struggles. These kids don't have clothes. We go out in the community and we go to a local little flea market or whatever. And the fruit and the food is literally on the floor. You'd be fortunate enough if they had the little box underneath it, the cardboard to protect the fruit. Not that it needs protecting, but that's where our society is. So everything's wrapped and protected. But in St. Lucia, it's all just strewn out. And as we go through the flea market, we see various uh, like arts and crafts and wood. And wouldn't you know, but one of them, uh, and you can see pictures of this all, also, by the way. Pictures of all this stuff I'm describing to you actually on my wife's Facebook thing. You have to dig in there a little bit. It's what we call creeping. You can find it. But <laughs> you know what I mean. And we came, we're going through this flea market. You see this food and, and then you see those crafts. Plaques of wood. I don't know what type of wood they are. But one of them says, Jesus is coming. Huh. That's not normal. We don't do that in our culture. Wow. And then, and then uh, we make it, oh, so Bree's camera breaks. In St. Lucia, for whatever reason, the outlets are totally different. They're actually like different uh, flow. So when you plug something in, it actually depletes it or discharges it. <laughs> kind of funny. So Bree's kind of like, I got to have my camera. And so we go to this local hardware store, and it says, Fleva's Hardware Store. And then a couple words that I'll never forget underneath it, in God we trust. Amen. not normal we go inside and whatever he, he works up this little adapter and it is quite amazing I mean we stood there for like an hour and a half watching this guy take wires and anyway he fixes this little adapter thing to plug in so her camera can charge and in the end I said well how much do I owe you he says well 20 so I hand him a 20 dollar bill what would any other that's what you do until you realize that there's a currency change and really what I just gave him was a hundred dollar bill <laughs> So anyway, uh, Fleva's hardware, we see in God, we trust. We go back the next morning as we're closing out our, our stay. We go to what we would consider Hannaford. We walk in, and what do you hear over the, over the loudspeaker? How great is our God. Really? <laughs> Where are we? In St. Lucia. Foreign. A love that is foreign to our culture, not only here in America, in the world. This is a love that, that the world had never seen. And so that trip obviously changed our mindset, changed our perspective. And sometimes we need that, at least to have a little bit of a changed perspective. Come back to John F. Kennedy Airport, or whatever we call it, in New York. I can tell you, I was pretty discouraged. <laughs> not going to lie, I've been American my whole life. Walking back in, it was pretty discouraging. Things, people were pretty rude. Keep moving, let's go. I was a little nervous. Bree decided to hold a uh, 
forget what the, the big fruit is down there. But anyway, she kept it in her bag and she didn't tell me. And typically when you cross the border, they will pick random bags. Well, when she explained, oh, when she explained that there was a coconut in her bag, I got a little nervous because I know that they go through the scan things and somebody could assume it was a bomb or something. So we kind of were gauging this and we're kind of walking through the line and I'm like pulling Bree and I'm like, who should go first? And then I go first and they take my bag. And then Bree scoots thing and we go home and all that so that it could, she could show her parents, you know, this is how we do the coconut thing. This is me. And I'm like, yeah, it's not worth it anymore. We could have been arrested. I mean, <laughs> so I was a little on edge anyway. So we returned back. And what one missionary, actually, when we went to Alaska, what he encouraged me is he said, when you go to Alaska, you'll come back never the same. And he said, do your very best to remember those trips, those beholding moments when John says, come and check this out. A love that is totally foreign, a love that is not normal to our culture. And then we go to, ver- the, we actually continue on with verse one, that we should be called the children of God. Driving up this morning, I, was, I had the radio on, I was listening to a couple songs, and I noticed for some reason the Lord saw it fit that all the music and listening all the way up here had to do with God's love. Now, I don't know if they're doing some sort of thing or whatever, but God's love. And one song came on, never heard it, and the title was Child of Love. Now, we know the term children of God, but child of love. God is love. In the manner of the love that he brought, he's the source of that love. He is the source of that love. So, so uh, to be called the children of, of God is equivalent to being the children of the love, the best love, the agape love, the true love. And then continuing on, uh, I guess it's uh, still verse 1. Therefore, the world does not know us. The world does not know us. We've all had that, that moment where there's definitely a disconnect. <laughs> As there should be, to a point, uh, a, a, a disconnect. And he says in this text, he does not know them uh, because he does not know him. The source of love. Driving up this morning, i just taking my time and... I love the outdoors, I love wilderness, I love wildlife, and wouldn't you know it, but I see a single turkey cross across the road. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I feel like sometimes that single turkey. And there will certainly be times like that as a Christian, where it seems like we're the only one walking through as a Christian, and the rest of the world just watching there, watching us from the vehicle, ready to hit us, whatever. And we're going to see that. But we are children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want to make a couple observations that I noticed uh, going through that are not exactly earth shattering. But one is, is, as believers, we're not part of this world. We saw that. We've studied that. We've hashed that out. We're not part of this world. We're in the world, but we're not to be conformed to the world. The second one is that when all is revealed, we should appear that we belong to him. Speaking of marriage this morning, there's an element that when you get married... You know, my pastor said it a couple times. You know, you want to make it look like you belong to each other. 
I am guilty at times where my wife says, would you just love me in front of people? <laughs> and I go, okay. And I hold her hand. <laughs> There's that element of belonging. Belonging. We see in this text in, in chapter 3 that, that when Christ comes back, that we will, we will see him for what he is. But at that same time, may I submit to you that we are supposed to be found doing what Christ challenged the church. We're supposed to be found doing what Christ did on the earth, sharing the gospel. We looked at the, the gospel uh, of grace this morning in Sunday school, sharing the gospel, being found doing that. You know, if anybody's ever overseen any sort of employment or employees, you know, what great reward it is when you leave and you come back and you find your employees doing their job. <laughs> and then not so great when that's the other way around. But as a church and as believers, let's be found doing what God has called us to do in, in our own spheres and our own capacities. I was talking about a family member I have that, that has a little bit of a different situation. And their ministry strictly is to encourage their husband, who is not a believer. It's to wear off on their husband. Now, now this individual may not be out in public, may not be on church, uh, in church every Sunday, may not be at every little event. But when you know that she's in her mission field every night, opportunity to share the gospel with the world. And, and like Pastor Johnny Hunt says, the, the guy that we've been studying his book in that study, he really talks about who's your one? Who's the one person that you've been assigned to lately that you need to encourage and, and share the gospel with in a very practical way? We're going to see a little bit of practicality through here. And I'm a guy that it's all about being practical. <laughs> when it's all revealed, we should appear that we belong to him. And in the last portion of that text, we see this subject of purity. The idea that when he returns, we will be like him. We'll be clean. We'll be with him. So Wearsby says this. I had to say that it's quite, quite interesting. Verse 1 in this text tells us what we are. Children of God. Verse 2 expresses what we shall be. And verse 3 explains what we should be. Pure. We all face a form of persecution as believers at some point in our life. I know when I was in community college for aviation, boy, I saw this big time. Being in Christian school my whole life, going to community college, wow, wow. Sitting there and being, I don't know if I was the only one, but for at times I certainly was the one that was the only Christian in, in our little circle. And at that time, I remember struggling with that. Actually, at the local church I was attending, fairly good-sized church, they had a college and career group, and they said, Alec, would you share with us something that's been on your heart? Well, all that came to mind was persecution and how much the, the world is just in your face about, look, you're, you're not normal. <laughs> and we see that now. We're now we're not, nor we're not the normal. We're foreign to where the world's headed. I heard, I heard something this, uh, last night where... Um, where the whole world, I mean, you can, you can wake up one morning and say, hey, I've turned to alcohol, drugs, um, I'm getting a divorce, whatever. And the world goes, okay, yeah, life. But as soon as we say, no, we want to stand for truth, you get looked at like, wow, you're nuts. Think about, think about some of our testimonies in this room. The friendships we had prior to salvation 
and then how God has changed us. We sang a hymn. I actually want to read the word. 157. The love of God. Sometimes we just read right over it. We sing right over it. But in that last verse, and every man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Now, sometimes we have to slow down like we studied the first message we looked at first John and look at those words. It would, to write about God's love would drain that ocean out there. It, it's, God's love is so big and so amazing that our finite minds can't even, can't even truly understand it. And so it's foreign. It's foreign because we are human. But there will be great, there, there is persecution. And, and Christ reminds us through multiple uh, portions of scripture that, that they persecuted me way before they persecuted us. <laughs> Look at John, uh, well, we actually read it this morning, but let's go to John 15 real quick. John 15, we'll start in verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they, also, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have have no sin, but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be, be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning." A great reminder that through all of that, that we have him. We have the helper. We're not alone in that. We're not that lone turkey. I actually saw two of them this morning. Wouldn't it be nice if those turkeys got together and walked together? Isn't that what we do at church? We all come together from our individual spheres. We all come together and we go, hey, let's encourage each other. Let's get equipped. Let's get excited. Somewhere, I don't, I don't know if it was Sunday school or... So I think it was Sunday School, Acts twenty twenty four. we've read repeatedly, but it talked about having joy, having joy, that your joy may be full. And having that joy to come here, edify one another, encourage, and then go out. A lot of churches, there's a sign as you walk out, it says, you're entering the mission field to go out. And... So John 16, 3 says, And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father or me, the source of love. Now think about this. We, Wearsby gave us a little bit of a warning about the word love, right? In comparison to marriage and baked beans, how it's kind of been watered down. It's like coolant mixed with oil. It's not oil and it's not coolant, and you don't want them either one going through your engine. 
Love. Water down love. Think, somebody told me the other day that they know of an individual who's going to school to become a divorce attorney. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. Granted, I'm not that bright and I'm young, but a divorce attorney. And I kind of went like this and I said, well, I guess the demand's probably there. Well, why is the demand there? Because the real love is not being sought. I'll never forget at my wedding day, there was this rope. It was like a sailor's rope. It was a big, heavy rope. And, and there was this interesting knot, which I'm not quite sure it all works out. But it's mostly to signify that Bree and I are, are tied together and that there's another loop showing that, that Christ is in that knot. The source of love. Why would we not want the source of love in our marriages? Now, there are, there are circumstances that happen and things do happen. And we need to focus on God's love in all of our relationships. That, that God's love goes further than, than issues we have relationally. We've seen that. We saw that at one point. We are talking about relationships. But I'll never forget that. God's love. Because they've forgotten or they don't know the Father. A world that is anti-Christ. No wonder there's so much hatred out there. Think about, we have, we have a relationship pretty close to us right now. Uh, they've been together for five, six years or so. And... Everything's love. It's all good until one day they had an argument. That love's gone, split up, no communication. It's the wrong form of love. It's a, it's a feelings-based, you know, experience-based love. That's not God's love. God's love is amazing. God's love is immutable, undeletable. It forgives. It loves. It's agape love. These things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He's taken us out of the world to be a part of, of his family, the children of God. The next verse, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, and then let's go to Romans 8 actually. Before we read Romans 8, uh, two quick testimonies. Had a guy uh, text me the other day. And, and the, purely the reason I'm sharing this is, is in context of God's love. Nothing, nothing about who I am, but God's love. This guy, this guy I worked with for about five years, and then, and then he moved on. And uh, we had a great relationship. I actually never forget it. I, the, the place that I'm still employed at, I started out de-icing planes as in college and just clean the planes get the ice off of them and then slowly after college i moved into aircraft maintenance in my first airline call i was petrified i was scared to death you got 200 people on a plane everybody's watching you do i really know what i'm doing no and so at the time so we had to change a main tire big tire takes like three people to get this thing up on the axle and so i this guy who I had this relationship with, he was a fueler. And so he's sitting in his fuel truck and he takes a picture of me looking at this tire. <laughs> and I still have that picture today. It was a much scrawnier and skinnier Alec than what we all know today. But, and, and he sent it to me and the little caption said, it'll be interesting to see where you end up. 
no Christian context around it at all, but that's just what he said. And so I've got to know this guy over a couple years, and he reached out to me, I guess it was Easter. And he said, I just want you to know that because of your faithfulness and, and through your testimony of just being still and, and remaining the same, which i got to tell you, I kind of laughed at because there's certainly times in that time frame I have failed big time. I've gotten frustrated at work. I've lost my cool at work. Ask my wife. She'll tell you even more. But he reached out and he says, because of people like you and people in and around and different, different people's, you know, um, love for the Lord, he said, I realized that I was missing something, that I had an emptiness in my heart. And he says, I felt like people like you had, had some answer or something. Not that you were the answer, but that you, you were holding something that could fill that. He goes, and I want you to know that a year ago, last, you know, this, this past Easter, last Easter, 2020, that he accepted Christ as a Savior. And that this past Sunday, right after he texted me, he had just got done serving at his church for Easter Sunday in this big, huge thing in, in Scarborough. Fairly good-sized church over there. Took him from the world and brought him into that family. Romans 8. I think it's verse 18. I'll just double-check. Yep, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that this whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs forever until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Er, uh, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. That guy's life was changed. That guy's life was changed through people that were sharing God's love. Not just me, by the way. I, was, I probably was lesser of the others, quite honestly. That time of my life, I was all over the place. Same thing in community college, all over the place. Areas in which I really saw the Lord's love come in and say, Alec, let's correct you a little bit here. And love does correct. Love chastens. And then at the end of the text we're looking at in First John, we see that we shall be like him. Romans eight twenty nine. And you can see this in, in the book of Isaiah also. But as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord, is this the right? No, that's, sorry, that's um, chapter 9, verse, chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You can see where we're headed here. <laughs> 2 Peter 1, verse 4 says, by which we, uh, by which have been, uh, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through lust. We shall see him as he is. And you can do a further study in Psalms chapter 16. But in 1 John, we've been through a lot. We flip over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. 
And that's what's cool, the way that John's written. We've actually pretty much touched the whole first book of First John, one way or another. We may have not gone verse by verse in chapter 4, but we've been all over the place within this. In verse 17 of chapter 4, it says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So moving forward, as a church, many opportunities ahead. I do pray that we all are praying for something, some opportunity to open up, for us to share. Maybe there's a one or a two people in your life that you have the opportunity to share Christ. Now, will there be persecution? Sure. Will there be pushback? Absolutely. The gospel is foreign. It's not firsthand nature. It's not something people are just going to accept. So faithfulness in believers is, is huge. Remaining faithful. Guy emailed me. Guy I work with very closely. Emailed me, uh, I guess it was Friday night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Didn't see it until the next morning. And it was this huge, long email. And I'm like, whew, this, you know, this is long and pretty deep about how he was raised in the Catholic Church, how his dad was just so dedicated to the Catholic Church. And then as time went on, his dad, uh, right on his dead bed, questioned his faith. And as a young guy, he said, you know, the guy I work with said, you know, how, why is it dad questioning his faith after all these years of commitment and doing and doing and doing and doing? Why is he questioning it? And... Anyway, long story short, this guy falls out of any sort of church. This guy was using the word religion a lot. Those of you that know me, I don't really like that word. Um, and so he kind of fell out of it. Life kept going, lost his wife, children. He's in a pretty sad point right now. I see it every day. And, and so just being there, just being there. It sometimes is all that this world needs, is just continually being there. And yeah, there are struggles that him and I have between each other. There are times where we don't agree on a situation. There are times that we've both raised our voices at each other. And so there's no perfection there. But one thing that is perfected in all of that is God's love. And so this guy emailed me and he explained to me that at his mother's uh, funeral, that he believes that he truly accepted Christ as a Savior. Now, these are two testimonies just this last week, talking about God's love. I don't think that's by chance. I think the Lord wants us to really understand that these are broken lives being changed by God's love. And so this guy went on, and he wanted to know about the Trinity, because Catholics teach Trinity a little bit differently. And so he was, he was really trying to unpack that. So we had a great conversation. It was like four in the morning by the time I'm typing this thing. And, and it was just so encouraging to hear that this guy's life is being changed by God's love and his grace and his mercy. But that love, John's, John, as we've said, writes a ton about love. And so the challenge here, I think, moving forward as a church, as individuals, is what opportunities are we praying for to say, who is that one? And, and we really, 
we do need to have this in our heart, but we def- definitely don't necessarily need to go out into the highways and byways of Maine and whack people upside the head with it. What, what people in this world need is just faithful Christians who live a life that is in reflection to a relationship with our Father. When Christ returned, being found doing that. That's what our challenge is, to go out and do it. We do communion. I, this morning, I kind of glanced down and saw that plant. I got all nervous because I thought, uh-oh, is today communion? <laughs> but at the communion table, at the end, we always say, and until he returns, proclaim his name. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? In this last week, last Sunday, we, we were talking about who are we going to tell that he is risen? Have we done that? Who is the one that we're going to say, I'm going to just share a little bit of God's love on you? It has nothing to do with us. Turning on that faucet, right? The faucet of grace and say, well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to facilitate it so that you can understand what God's given me. And so moving forward as a church, our family, we've got a couple opportunities. And it's important to remember that if there's a need, doesn't necessarily mean there's a calling. And that's something, as I mentioned, we're, as a family, we're trying to be careful of. Because there's a whole lot of needs out there. And so our family, there's a couple things that we're really praying about. About, God, are you really leading that way? And along the way, there are red flags. But in the meantime, there are no red flags in our own community. I'm reading a book right now that the uh, North American Mission Board put out about conversation, everyday conversations and how to lead them back to the gospel. We need to be thinking that, that way. We need to have a mind that is, seven, that, that is, is focused heaven-bound. Some, I, I, I heard a message not that long ago. A guy said, you know, people have often said that you're too focused on, on heavenly things. You're no good on earth. And he flipped it and he goes, well, I truly believe you're no good on earth if you're not heaven, thinking heavenly-bound. And we need to be doing that. We need to be focused on the Lord and, and eternal life so that on this earth we can effectively share God's love. We can get ready to sing that last song, 520. One of my favorite songs. All these songs today have been great about God's love. But the longer I serve Him, all of us, as we go out into our own spheres, sharing God's love, the greatest message we could share, 520. Yes, Gracie, be 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this great opportunity to be in your word and just take a few moments to get a different perspective on love, Lord, your love. You are the source of all love, Lord, and we seek you for it, Lord. There are certainly going to be times that it's hard, certainly times where the world pushes us back when it, when it comes to, to talking about this love, Lord, but through your helper, the Holy Spirit, and, and your power, Lord, we pray that you help us share that effectively with clarity, Lord. We pray as we depart this building today that we find that one person we're supposed to share that love with. And Lord, moving forward as a church, we, we just pray that we can all continue to preach this message and to preach it in a very real way, Lord, as, as John was writing in 1 John. We thank you for this journey in, in partnership, Lord, for the last couple months. And Lord, we just praise you for it and we give you all the glory for it. We just thank you for how you're changing all of us, including myself, Lord, and Thank you for allowing us to grow closer to you. And as we serve you Lord, more, Lord, we pray that that only continues. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a wonderful week. Don't ever be afraid to reach out and keep sharing God's love. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mission Briefer podcast, a ministry of propelling the gospel missions. All comments and thoughts can be sent through our website. Have a very blessed day and get out there and propel the gospel in your region and community.